Would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? In 1 Corinthians 13 is what we call the great love chapter. In this chapter, it talks about the qualities and characteristics of the God kind of love. But actually, this is not just a love chapter. This is a growing up chapter. Did you notice that? He talks about growing up. And that's not a subject change. They are inseparable. To grow up spiritually or to grow up in God is to grow up in love. They are one and the same. Developing in love is developing spiritually. And what you got to watch out for is that you do not develop spiritually apart from growing up in love. Many people think they do, but that's why the passage begins like it does. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Stop. You mean you're speaking in other tongues and it's not worth anything. You're speaking in angelic tongues and it's not accomplishing anything worthwhile. See, a lot of people don't even believe that. Because they believe When they're speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit is speaking. But that's not accurate, at least not completely accurate. The scripture says, my spirit is speaking. And that can be more or less anointed and inspired. I won't camp on this, but that have to be true or this wouldn't be true. If every time you speak in tongues, it's 100% Holy Ghost, there ain't no way that could be just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Now I've got three more people with me. <laughs> you got to watch about assuming things. Without love, speaking in tongues is vain. And valueless. Even if you did it eight hours a day. We must speak in tongues. In faith. And in love. And the more we do that. The more we're yielding. To the Holy Spirit. Who is love. And responds to faith. Some of the strongest utterance. To pray. And anointing to pray is when the love of God is genuinely flowing out of you towards somebody else. It will be the Holy Spirit inspiring and sometimes speaking straight through you. But not all tongues is automatically that. You know yourself. You've heard people rattle off in tongues and it didn't sound like much to you. Then you've heard other people speak in tongues and you think, wow, that had some punch to it. (laughs) There's a difference. Verse 2, though I have prophecy 
and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. We believe that? What? I, I, I prophesy fluently and proficiently, and I understand mysteries in Daniel and in Revelation, and I'm nothing? I got faith and can speak and move mountains, and I'm nothing? Verse 3, though I bestow all my goods to feed, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. Hold on now. No harvest? No reward? Am I not a martyr? I gave my body to be burned. Yeah, but why? Why did you do it? What was your motive? What was your heart? I gave a just giant sum of money and, and I fed people and we did this and we did it. Yeah, but why did you do it? What was your heart? With the Lord, it's always about the heart. You can do big things to show off. To try to impress other people. And if love wasn't your motive, there's no reward. There's no harvest. It'll profit you what? Nothing. Should love be a big thing to us? If not, we can do things in vain. We can develop in vain. Keep reading. It goes into now describing what love is and how it acts. Love suffers long. And not just puts up with a long time. It's kind while it's putting up with it. Love envies not. Love's not going to get upset. You got something nicer than me. Because it cares about you. It's happy you got it. Love vaunts not itself. Is not puffed up. Keep going. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeks not her own. Let's, Let's back up. Why would love not pitch a fit? Because it doesn't want to ruin everybody else's time. Why would love not call you and, and, and dump all its problems on you? Because it didn't want to rob you of your peace. Love is always thinking about the effect of my words and my actions on everybody around me. It's always thinking, okay, now if I say that, How are they going to hear it? And in what state is that going to leave them in? And if I do that, then what? We've all made mistakes in this area. But the failure would be to not try. Not even make an effort to walk in love. For it is the New Testament commandment. Isn't it? And one reason I'm talking about this, it is the most 
important thing every day when we open our eyes. You might you said the most important. You heard what I said. Study it for yourself and see if it's true or not. Well, I'll help you. I'll give you a little <laughs> a little mini thing here. First Peter four eight. It says, what? Read that first phrase with me. Above what? How many? Above most things. What does all mean? (laughs) Above, we could say it like this, above everything else. Do what? Have fervent love among yourselves. Because love posts everybody's problems they're going through. On Facebook. Of course they started out by saying. I'm not trying to gossip. I just want y'all to pray. Is that love? To broadcast people's failures? Mistakes that they've made. Things they're going. Tell other people. It's not. Love does what? Love doesn't broadcast people's mistakes. It covers. Now that doesn't mean you lie for people. It just means you don't bring it up. You don't broadcast it. And even if somebody brings it up to you, you say, no, I'd rather not talk about it. Right? And if you prayed for them and you got in faith, and for all you know, they've already repented. So if they've repented, even if it was a terrible thing they did, they're cleaner than you that's judging them. Because they got their righteousness restored. Well, that's another message. (laughs) The Living Bible says it like this. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love makes up for many of your faults. Well, it says it covers. But uh, let me give you another one. These are New Testament verses. Colossians 3.14. Colossians 3.14 says, And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Above what? Peter said above all things. And you keep seeing this same kind of thought. Above all these things. 1 Corinthians 16.14 says, Let all your things be done in love. Young's literal translation says. Let all your things... Be done in love. I want us to talk about tonight. Love's way. Love's way. You got. His way. You got her way. (laughs) You got my way. You got their way. Of course you got the world's way. You got the Baptist way, (laughs) Catholic way, Pentecostal way, word and faith, charismatic way. And then you got somebody's with me. Love's way. What other kind of way could you say that? God's way because God is love. Love's way. 
Now that'll let you know right away if you're insisting on having your way. You're not trying to do it love's way. Now, don't raise your hand. (laughs) But time after time, whether people say that language or not, they got it in their mind. Now I'm going to have my way on this. And one of the worst things that could happen to you is to get it. Because you can. God will let you have your way. But there's a price to pay to have your way. You know the Lord will let you do stuff that's not his will. That is actually contrary and opposed to his plan for your life. He will let you do it. Yeah, he will. Have you noticed in the scriptures? At one point, Israel wanted a king. You remember that? And they came to Samuel, who's the prophet, man of God. And they said, make us a king. All the other countries got a king. We want a king. Make us a king. And Samuel, who knew God, he, he, he didn't like that. It upset him. And he went to the Lord. He got upset and he, said, and he brought it before the Lord. And the Lord said, uh, they hadn't rejected you. They've rejected me. And you got to watch about that. You know, getting upset because people have, you know, not accepted what you were saying and doing. Because truth is, there are times when they didn't accept him. So why would you get shocked that they didn't accept you? But they wouldn't have it any other way. In fact, he came back and told them, if you do this, this king, he's going to tax you. He's going to take your stuff. He's going to take your land. He's going to take your young men for his soldiers. He's going to take your girls for his bakers. He's going to do all this stuff. I mean, he painted a not so nice picture for them. And they still said, no, we want a king because we got to be like the Joneses. They all got a king and, and we want a king. Did he let them have a king? Not only let them have a king, he told Samuel where to pick one out. But they got out of his perfect will into a system of governing that was not how God would have done it. And uh, I know in the earlier part of our ministry and life, there were a couple of times I sought the Lord. I thought I wanted to do a certain thing. And I asked the Lord to let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. And of course, you know, he will. And then after experiencing the aftermath, (laughs) what are y'all laughing about? of him letting me do a few things. At one point I came and fell down completely prostrate. And I said, Lord, I don't want you to let me do stuff anymore. <laughs> I want to, how many know if you get his plan yes. from him, yes. you don't have to try to get it blessed. No. No. It's from him. You don't have to try to figure out how to support it. Yes. It's his idea. Yes. Come on, are y'all with me? Yes. But so many times it's different from your idea in how you'd have thought. You got their way, his way, her way, your way, and then what else? Come on, what else could you have? Love's way, which is God's way. 
God's way. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 13 and see what I believe we should emphasize tonight to help us identify the difference between our way and God's way. Are you interested in this or not? I told you there are answers here tonight. Man, there are answers. Not only to get some things fixed from the past and present, but to prevent some problems in the future. How many think you're going to come out nice if you do it God's way? You, every time. Every time. You do it love's way. You do it God's way. You're going to come out right. You're going to come out top. You're going to come out victorious. Successful. Fruitful. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13. We were there. But go back to the fifth verse. 1 Corinthians 13, 15. Love That love, if you've been born again, that love has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, Romans says. Now that doesn't mean that it governs your life. It's in you, but you have to yield to it. We have a choice. We got the love of God, I mean God's own love. The love He loves us with. He has put in us. But we also got flesh. And the nature of the flesh, yours and mine. Don't care how long you've been born again, how much word you got in you, your flesh didn't get born again. And guess what the nature of your flesh is? It's not love. (laughs) It's selfish. All you got to do to be selfish is wake up in the morning (laughs) and go with the flow of the world and how you feel. How you feel. I just I just feel like they're slighting me. I just feel like I feel like they should have done more for me on that. I just feel I just feel like they're avoiding me. I just feel <laughs> you will be an unstable individual if you focus on your feelings because they are up and down and in and out according to whatever's influencing them at the moment. But love is the same yesterday, today, forever. God is love. He changes not. Doesn't change. Notice, love seeks not her own. I think we should emphasize that tonight. Love seeks not its own. Listen to some other translations. The Amplified says it like this. Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not Self-seeking. Now before we go any further, we can make a decision that we're going to live by this God kind of way. That was weak. (laughs) Or you can decide not to. Right? (laughs) But if you want Him involved in it and the right outcome, you've got to do it His way. Sit out loud, I have. I have. The love of God, the love of God 
shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And His love in me does not insist on my own rights or my own way. His love in me is not self-seeking. So then if I'm yielding to that love and walking in that love, I won't be insisting on my rights or what I'm entitled to or what is owed me. You won't be. I won't be insisting on my own way. But in order to do that, you and I will have to crucify our flesh because it wants its own way. And it don't just want it a little bit. It really, really, really wants what it wants when it wants it. And to not let your flesh, which is part of you, to not let your flesh get its own way. It will cry. It'll cry. It'll hurt. And the Bible tells us what we're supposed to do is nail it. So, oh, you crying. You crying. Let me help you out. Boom. We're going to hush up your crying. What? We're going to crucify you. Now, if you're never doing this, if we're never doing this, that just means we're yielding to the flesh all the time. Listen to the Living Bible. The Living Bible says, Love does not demand its own way. Say it out loud. Love Love does not not demand demand its own way. You begin to get insight into the nature of the devil who influences the flesh versus the nature of God who lives, his spirit lives in our spirit. The devil is demanding. He's demanding. I saw this back a few weeks ago when I was praying about the marriage meeting. People say, I wish I could get that old feeling back. You know, the flame has died down. (laughs) Y'all are quiet. Between my spouse and myself, you know, we just, you know, like when we first met. Like when we first fell in love. And the Lord helped me to see what if you, the first time you met that person, and they caught your eye, you started out like this. You went over to them and you said, I like your looks. You look nice to me. So here's my demands. (laughs) I'm going to need you to do this for me every day. 
without fail. And I'm going to need this. And every time I do this, I'm going to need you to respond like this. And I'm going to need... What about that great feeling that we're talking about? That feeling would be just like them, gone. Right? Guys, can you imagine going to a sensible lady and telling her that? What's she going to say? She's going to look at you like you have lost your mind because you have. Is that right? And she's going to get out of there just as quick as she can. And she should. Why are you talking about that, Brother Keith? Because sometimes after only a few months, people start doing that. And that's what happens to the flame. That's one of the big things that happens to put out desire and passion and interest. Let me give you an example. You like that one so good, sir. <laughs> what people get into with each other, and I, this is not conjecture. I've dealt with this personally myself. I've sat across the desk from people who have marriage troubles, not once or twice, more than that. And he's telling me what she's not doing for him. She's telling me what he's not doing for her. What he needs and what she needs and what he wants and what she wants. I need, I need. Is this love? Are they wanting what they want? And they're pulling on each other. Who's giving? If nobody's giving, there's nothing to receive. Come on, can you see this? The reason relationships and fellowship take off is because people meet each other and are interested in each other and then they begin, let me give you this. Let me give you this. Let me, I'm going to give you my time. Let me give you my attention. Let me give you some gifts. Let me give, let me give, let me give, right? Well, let me give you, let me give you. And people think, well, it's so amazing, it's so wonderful. Well, yeah, there's so much to receive because both parties are giving so much. But when the giving stops and the demands just keep on going, I need you to spend more time with me so you can hear this. Well, I need you to do this for me. I just don't feel like you're supporting me. I just don't. I, you hear that word? Feel, 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 feel. That's like an unsaved teenager. I'm serious. If you're going to be spiritual, you've got to forget about your feelings, honey child. You've got to just say, hey. Feelings are like the wind. They change. Is that right? Morning, noon, and night. I must not fixate on them, talk about them, voice them, yield to them. I'm a giver. Years ago in marriage meeting, the Lord gave me a message that's entitled, Sucker or Sower? (laughs) 
You can get it. It's online. Sucker or sower. You can get it and figure out which one. Not which one they are. Bible said judge yourself, right? But can you see that? And also, if people are saying, you know, I need this and and you should and you're supposed to, what are they saying? They're saying, you owe me. You owe me. You're my spouse, so you owe me this. You owe me more of this, and I'm getting none of this, and you owe me, you owe me. What do people tend to do around people that think they owe them? They tend to stay away. If you owe people a bunch and don't know how to pay it, what do you do? Oh, come on. Any of you sitting up there sanctimoniously? You owe them. And they got it on their mind how much you owe them. And you don't have it and don't know how to pay it. What will you do? You will avoid them. You will take every opportunity to get away from them. Stay away from them. Which is doesn't work for marriage. The love of God does not give people its demands. It doesn't keep telling them about what you should do for me and I need this and I need that and I need the other. We should be checking up on ourselves every day. What am I giving? It comes back to the basic law of sowing and reaping. You don't just need to be told, I, I want to reap, I want to reap, I want to reap, I want to reap. No, you need to sow, you need to sow, you need to sow. And what if both parties, husband and wife, they stop demanding, they stop pulling on each other, They stop making each other feel uncomfortable. And they go back and start doing what they first did. Let me give you this. Not in an underhanded way. In a genuine. No string. If it's a gift, there's no strings. Is that right? Now I did that for you. Now what you going to do for me? That wasn't a gift. You didn't give them anything. You want your pay. Free gift. Let me bless you. Why? Because I want to. Care about you. This one starts giving. This one starts giving. It'll cause your relationship to blossom. And there'll be plenty to receive. And the things that you don't know how to give, when you both get in faith, God will give you for them. He'll give you things to give them you didn't know how to give them. Hallelujah. But it's only when they stop pulling on you. Because if they're pulling on you, they're not looking to him. Can you see that? If they're pulling on you, they're not in faith. If you're pulling on them, you're looking at them. You're not looking to God. And you're not in faith. Faith puts no pressure on people. And faith works by love. Say it out loud. Faith puts no pressure on people. So what if you're pushing people and pressing them and you're not in faith? You may call yourself being in faith, but you're not. 
Faith quits looking at them to fix it and looks up. And it's amazing what happens when the pressure comes off. People can begin to flourish again. Is this okay? Love doesn't demand. Love and faith doesn't put pressure or try to force. Brother Hagin said this, Brother Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now, talking about marriage. He said, uh, there's only one law in the New Testament concerning marriage. Only one. It's the law of love. It is the New Testament commandment. And people ask, you know, we, we have questions and some of them we were able to touch on. But what we're talking about now answers all questions. Whether you think so or not. It is the answer. The answer to every question that could possibly come up in marriage is Christ and the church and the love command. That's it. Husbands, what do I do if my wife does this? Well, if the church does this with the Lord Jesus, what does he do? That's what you do. The wife, what should I do concerning my husband? Well, you should do what the church should do for the Lord. This is the answer to every question. And if you take it away from that and you decide to use somebody else's book and somebody else's thing, then you're going to struggle and not be able to find answers for years and decades. Beware of people's books. I'm telling you. I don't care if they've got five initials after their name and it's a nice hardbound book. It doesn't make it true. And you need to be asking yourself all the time, where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? And it doesn't hurt to ask, what kind of marriage do they have? What kind of family do they have? He also, Brother Hagin also said this. He said, mere human love can turn to hatred overnight. Mere human love can turn to hatred overnight. He also said, every step out of love is a step into sin. Well, if the love is the New Testament command, that would be true. You will see some of the meanest, most vicious, cruel stuff in marriages coming apart. I don't have to explain it to you. You've seen it or experienced it. You talk about mean. You talk about vindictive. I mean, there are folks that get so messed up, they'll say, I'll show them. I'll get them back. I'll pay them back for the way they treated me, whether they say it or not. I'll make their life a living hell. They'll wish to. And some of these people profess Christianity. Is that the God kind of love? And people, even Christians, resort to extortion 
I'll take them for everything they've got. The way they treated me, what they did to me, I'll take them, everything they've got. And there's even people that have murdered their spouse for different reasons. Some say, if I can't have them, nobody's going to have them. Can you see how devilish this is? And how, how, how much worse and how much worse and how much worse it gets. And what you see consistent with every one of these things is I'm going to make you. I'm going to force you. And the moment you step into that, you have stepped out of love. You're no longer, the Holy Spirit is no longer helping you in this. You're going to force somebody to do anything. You're not in faith. You're not in love. God's not in it. You are demanding, I'm going to get mine. You're demanding my way. You're insisting on your own rights. And this is completely opposite the character of the God kind of love. Why am I talking about this? To identify this when it comes up. Should we identify these feelings and these thoughts and these temptations? The moment they come up and we should shut them down and say no. All of us got flesh. People can make you mad. People can treat you bad. But that doesn't mean you have to respond in like kind. What did the Lord tell us to do with our enemies? Make them pay. Even our enemies, somebody who is a self-avowed enemy of ours. What are, come on, what are we told to do? Come on, help me. We are to love them. Is it possible? It's possible. It is. The men that nailed Jesus to the cross. What did he say about them? Father, forgive them. Why? They don't know. They don't know who he is. They don't know what's happening here. They don't know what they're doing. Did they know? No, they didn't know. They didn't know. Thank you, Father. Romans 12, verse 17. You got time for this tonight? Your flesh may not like all of it. That's just good. Because what are we going to do with the flesh? Come on, help me out. What are we going to do? We're going to pull out another spike? Oh, you crying. You crying? Here, let me help you. Let me, boom. Is crucifying easy? No. No. Your flesh is going to cry when it doesn't get its way. Scream. May want to get into a rage. And the moment you sense those feelings and those thoughts, it's time to grab a hold of your flesh and slap it down. And say, you shut up. You're not going to get your way. You're going to have to die to this. Well, then will you be left out? Will you come up short? No. God will take care of me. Yes. Come on, somebody help me out. Say it out loud. God, God will take care of me. No matter what they do or don't do, God will take care of me. That's faith. And if you really believe that, 
it sets you free. You don't have to fight. You don't have to fuss. You don't have to pull. You don't have to struggle. Romans 12, 17 says what? Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. What does that mean? Do not try to pay anybody back. Ever. Because the law of sowing and reaping comes in here. To avenge yourself is to make them pay. To get them back. Since the New Testament command is to love, this would be sin. This is sin. And the wages of sin is death. Why? For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. This, this is real. There's a lot of folks who don't believe it, but it's real. And the people that practice this, other people may not know it, but they ought not be attacking them. Because if somebody will really walk in love and walk in faith and not try to attack and will forgive, and if these people won't let up and they really try to hurt God's anointed, He takes it personally. And he'll take care of it. I saw uh, one of the most famous uh, commentators and news people, internationally known, one of the most successful, period, for years and years and years. And one night, I saw him just lambasting God's servants, calling them names. Do another thing. And I just I just cringed. I thought, buddy, you don't know what you're doing. And even though their show was the highest, with the most ratings, with everything, within six months they are gone. Coincidence? No. People don't understand because I know some of the people they were railing against, and I know they didn't judge them. They didn't try to hurt them. They didn't try to pay them back. Probably prayed for them. Well then if these folk won't repent. What happens? This verse comes into play. God says I'll take care of it. You don't want to be on that side. Do you? Therefore. Verse 20 are you there? Therefore if your husband. Hungers. You say, I will never cook another meal for you, you sorry so-and-so, after what you did for me. (laughs) Even if it's your enemy, even if they really are an enemy, could this apply to your spouse? Even if they don't call them their enemy, if they've done something wrong against you, do what? Help me out. Help me out. Let me make you my favorite casserole. No poison. No poison. (laughs) If he thirsts, do what? Give him drink. In so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. What does that mean? 
You stay out of God's way and he will deal with them. Conviction will come on them. And if they really messed up, their own heart will condemn them. Hence, coals of fire. Verse 21, help me out. How do you deal with all this? People that's really been mean to you. People that's really hurt you. How how do you deal with it? Come on, help me. me. Don't try to overcome evil with evil. People say, well, you got to fight fire with fire. That's how everybody gets burned up. (laughs) Right? We're going to fight fire with fire. Ain't going to be nothing left. Everything's going to be burnt to the ground. I mean, you're laughing, but that is sheer stupidity. We got fire breaking out, so what you going to do? Go set some more fire. Somebody needs to find a bucket of water. Somebody needs to have some sense around here. Overcome evil with what you can't overcome evil with evil. All you got is multiplied evil. Things just go from bad to worse to worse to worse to worse till there's nothing left. Bite and attack each other till you're consumed of each yes. other, the scripture said. Tell me how you, how you win. How do you win? How do you overcome evil? Not with evil. Not with like kind. You slap me, so I'm going to slap you harder. You took my money, so I'm going to take all your money. And then some. You did this to me, just watch out. I'm going to do this to you. And I'm going to do it worse. That's like an unsaved person. That's like a person that don't even know God. That is suppressing the love of God in you so much that you're not even aware of it anymore. Conscience seared. It's a bad place to be in. You could call it backslid. Out of fellowship with God. Because if you're close to God, you start to do something injurious toward another believer. Your heart is going to bother you. And if your heart doesn't bother you, you're either backslid or you never were saved. And there are many more people going to church and have been going to church for years that are not even saved than people think. Tell me how you overcome evil. You overcome evil with good. The worst that can be thrown at you, how can you win? How can you overcome? With good. Go with me to the book of uh, Matthew 5. Let me just answer this that I brought up just a moment. Matthew 5, 22 in the Amplified. I know some of this is a little bit strong, but I, the Lord must have thought you could handle it. And people have been experiencing some terrible stuff in their marriages and homes. It doesn't have to be that way. But if we yield to the enemy, we'll have his presence manifested in our homes. Had the Lord uh, deal with me really strong in the beginning days of this church. And um, I began to see there would be more and more people under us as staff and volunteers and, and hundreds of folks under us. And the Lord said this to me very clearly. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside he said, uh, do not tolerate strife in your midst. Don't tolerate it. In your offices, in your church, 
do not tolerate it. And as I began to meditate on it, I saw he took me to James. And you remember where he said where strife is, what, what is there? Every evil, well, what would be every evil work? And the Lord said this to me. He said, manifested strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Well, that would be every evil work or thing. You've experienced it before. It is actually torment and vexation, which is a taste of hell. One of the things that makes hell, hell, is not just the flames and and all of that, as terrible as that is, it is the atmosphere, zero peace, zero joy, torment and vexation of mind and spirit. It's the manifest presence of the devil. And one of the things that makes heaven, heaven. It's not just the gold streets and the mansions. It's that there is zero strife. There's none and no death and no pain and no grief and no sorrow. There's just joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. There's peace that passes understanding. How many can see that's heaven? Not just the gold street and the mansion. That atmosphere, that environment, which is the very being in the the very presence, the tangible presence of love, who is God. Can you say amen? Amen. And here's the good news and the bad news. You can experience, you can, people say it, but it's true. You can experience hell on earth. Not full hell. A little taste of hell. In what? In strife, torment, vexation. Most of us have experienced far too much. Shouldn't have. Didn't have to. But people yielding to the wrong thing. But good news. You can have, I'm quoting scripture now, days of heaven. On the earth. That doesn't mean that, you know, all the problems are just going to go away forever. And, but it means you will experience the very atmosphere of heaven for times and seasons in your house. You didn't hear that. The very, why? Because the same God who's there, he's here too. He's in my spirit. He's in your spirit. And if we'll shut the door to strife. And hate and all that junk. And yield to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God's presence. Will fill our house. Fill our bedroom. Fill our car. Fill our workplace. And certainly fill our services. And our churches. And our church offices. And our staff. But the enemy won't just lay down and quit. He will come. He'll bring thoughts. He'll bring feelings. And he'll work on your flesh. Because you want your way. Try to get you to yield. But the moment we see strife starting to come out. We need to stop. We need to shut it down. And go we are not letting the devil manifest his presence. Here in our church. Or our house. You got to be strong. 
And the less you yield to it, the less you'll have it. The more you yield to it, the more you'll have it. more you yield, the more likely you are to yield. Less you yield, the less likely. You, you're, you're not, you don't just stay in a place. You're moving one way or the other. You got a church of 100 or 10,000 or 10, and if nobody in there will yield to the devil, it'll be like there is no devil. He'd be like behind a plate glass, wanting to get in, wanting to say stuff, wanting to do stuff, wanting to stir up something. But he tried them. They wouldn't yield to him. He tried her. You, she wouldn't yield. He tried him. Nobody will yield to him. How many like to frustrate the devil? Just, I mean, then don't yield to him. Don't yield to wrong thoughts, wrong feelings. And one of the big ways you can identify it is it's about my way. And then you get past that into, I'm going to make you. The moment you cross that line, you've left the Holy Spirit. And now you're yielding to the enemy. Because God doesn't make us do things. Go to Luke 9. Luke 9, 54. When... Jesus' disciples, James and John, saw, they saw that the people in that place did not receive the Lord Jesus. They said, Lord, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and burn these people up like Elijah did. They got scripture. They got scripture, scriptural precedent, and scriptures. They wouldn't have brought this up to him if they didn't think he would agree. If they'd have thought they were going to get corrected, you think they'd have brought it up? They expect him to agree and go, you know, this is one of them times. I'm glad you boys saw this and brought it up. We need some fire on this place. Good time for you to exercise some fire faith. And... No. What did he say? What did he say? He turned and what? What's a rebuke? It ain't a compliment. What's a rebuke? It would be a stern tone, possibly a raised voice. It's a rebuke. Will the Lord ever rebuke you? A lot of folks don't think so. But that's just because they don't know him. And if you're smart, when he does, you'll thank him. And you'll apologize that he had to. Because why did it get to that point? He's already told you many times you ignored him. Come on, you are with me? And finally, he had to get stronger with you. He rebuked them. And he said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. You don't know what kind of spirit. You're of. What does that mean? Go to Matthew 20. I know I'm giving you some scripture, but I want to make sure you understand this is not my opinion. Matthew 20, verse 20. What kind of spirit are we of? We're not of the spirit that's going to make people do things. Force people. 
Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with their sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. He said, What wilt thou? She said, Grant that these two my sons may sit, the one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. Now she used to be commended that she believed enough in what he was talking about the kingdom of God that it was going to happen. And she just wants to get ahead of everybody else. And see if she can get her boys in some top positions in this kingdom of God that he keeps talking. He talked about it so much, uh, we we don't talk about it enough, the kingdom of God. But he talked about it so much, they felt like it was imminent. That right away, all this Roman stuff is going to be swept out of the way. And there's going to be the kingdom of God. And he's going to be ruling and reigning and taking care of everything. And how many know he is? He is. He's coming back. Is that right? King of kings. Lord of lords. But it just was a little longer time than what she thought. Jesus called them to him, verse 25, and he said, I'm I'm reading the Amplified now, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles do what? Lord it over them. And their great men hold them in subjection how you pronounce that? Tyrannizing? Like a tyrant. Over them. What does that mean? Forcing. Controlling. Lording it over. Verse 26. Not so shall it be among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be waited on, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He draws a sharp contrast between the way the world operates and the way he does and those in his kingdom that are under him and follow him. And don't think you'll never have any issue with this. Brother Copeland said some years ago, this was actually decades ago, that uh, he was seeing all the problems in the body of Christ, all the strife. And he said, Lord, what's, what's what's the biggest root cause? What's the biggest problem with all this? He said, the Lord spoke to him and he said, it's your, talking about the whole church, it's your dogged determination to correct one another. Your dogged determination to correct one another. I'm going to make you see it. I'm going to make you do it. You don't want to, but it's what you need. It'll be best for you. You'll thank me later. But mm -mm, you've left the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not the good cowboy. He doesn't drive the flock. He's the good shepherd. He calls and he leads and it's entirely up to the sheep to follow. Nobody's making them follow. And this is one of the most challenging things. As head of a family, as a mother, as head of a church. Because you'll see people, your children, your spiritual children that you dearly love. And you know if they would just stop this and just do this, it would fix their life. And they won't do it. 
and they won't listen and they won't ignore. And people try to manipulate folks through prayer. They're going to pray until God makes them do it. He's not going to make them do it. And here's the thing. Your spouse can do anything they decide to do. No matter how wrong it is. No matter how contrary to the will of God it may be. And you have no guarantee that you can change that. Now a lot of folks just disagreed with me. And I'm about to take you to scripture. Now's a good time. 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 7, 16. What knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? What's the answer to that question? You don't. People say, well, yeah, I do. I got, I got guarantees in the scriptures. No, you don't. You may think you do, but what, this is the scripture right here. Right? If they have to get saved, then they have no choice. And they will always have a choice. And if he won't force them to get saved, which is eternity, then he's not going to force them in lesser things to act right or to do right. He talked about individuals leaving. And he said, a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. Why? Because you got no guarantee. Because you can't control them. God won't. You can't. And you shouldn't try. You don't own them. Now you hear language and we need to correct it. You hear people say, you know, they fall in love and I'm going to make them my own. They're mine. Well, they can be your spouse. They can be your friend. You can enjoy a period of time, but they're not yours. Your children are not yours. You don't own them. You never will. The Lord said all souls are mine. In the song, all souls are mine. And you need to remind yourself of that. And the moment you start talking about, well, you know, you're my wife. You're going to do what I say. You're my husband and you have to. No, 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 you've gone too far. You sense the strife. You sense. I mean, have you ever walked into the room after somebody's had a knockdown drag out fight? You can feel it. Can't you? You know, other people that have had yelling and saying bad things to each other. You know, Christians get to cussing. And you walk in, you can feel it. What are you feeling? What is that? It ain't nice. It's the manifest presence of the devil. Because folks have been yielding to him and expressing his thoughts, and his feelings. And we've all made mistakes, but let's stop it tonight. 
let's not yield our mouth, our tongue to the devil one more day. Come on, are y'all with me? Let's not yield our mind, our expressions, right? Our hands. Sit out loud. I've been bought with a price. I belong to the Lord. The devil has nothing in me. Nothing over me. Nothing. I'll glorify God. In my body and in my spirit. Which are his. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. What are we talking about? (laughs) You don't own them. And you never will. And you want to quit saying this too. I'm, I'm not complete without them. They complete me. And you sure don't want to say this. I couldn't live without them. Because you're going to have to. In a very short amount of time. One of you's not going to be here. Short amount of time. No. And if you're not complete without them, Christ wasn't enough to make you complete. And of course, you think like that, it will make you needy, pulley. You're always pulling on them to make you feel better and to complete me. I need you. I need you. I love you. I need you is not love. It's not the God kind of love. It's not loving them. The God kind of love doesn't seek its own, doesn't insist on its own rights and ways, doesn't demand what is mine. The God kind of love is a giver. And it'll give to you whether you ever give me anything or not. And and if you don't want to give me anything, it'll look to God for its harvest. Do you know, no, no matter what you feel like you're missing on the inside, He is the satisfier of the soul. Do, do you believe it or not? He, even if you should have some things that you don't have, the Holy Ghost can touch you on the inside and fill you and fulfill you. And you won't just be all right. You'll be better than all right. Come on, say it out loud. I am complete in him. And you talk about a good marriage and a good home, you get two people, a husband and a wife, that are complete in him and are secure in him and full of love and faith and don't need pull on other people for what they need. They are full and got something to give. Now you're about to have a, a nice home. Now you're about to have a marriage that other people don't even think is possible. You're about to have a taste of heaven. On earth. Days of heaven. On the earth. Hallelujah. Go to Jude please. Jude. The 10th chapter. (laughs) That's not right. What are you laughing about? I had about three things going on at once. Just one chapter in Jude. So verse... Oh, y'all are great. Yeah, laugh it up. Yuck it up. Jude, Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
But you, beloved, building up yourselves on what? Not on somebody else. Who else you need to do this? Who else do you need to do this? You don't need any other human to do this. Building up yourself. Who's, who's building you up? You are building up yourself. On your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Come on, how many pray in the Holy Spirit around here? I want to see. Do you pray too much in the Holy Spirit? Let me answer that for you. No way, no how. Could we pray more in the Holy Spirit? Yeah. But look at the very next verse. What? Keep yourselves. What? In the love of God. Is that the challenge for every day? Keep myself in the love of God. Don't let my flesh get away. Don't, Don't get out of the love of God. Keep myself in the love of God. And here's how you can tell if you're getting out of the love of God. This is worth you combing your hair and coming to church tonight, right here. Are you ready? Are you ready? Would you like to know? This is how you can tell. It's the truth every time. 1 John, chapter 4, verse 18. 1 John 4, 18 says what? There is no fear in love. Perfect love does what? Cast. That's a strong word. It displaces it with force. No, you didn't see that. Perfect love. Don't let that word perfect mess with you. Fully developed. Fully developed love will displace fear from you. Most folks don't even believe it's possible to be free from all fear. But it is. I said it is. But there's only one thing that'll give you this. No amount of hours of consultation or therapy will give you this. It cannot. I don't care who they are, how good they are. No amount of medication can give you this. Impossible. The only thing that will displace with force any and all fear out of you is a full measure of love. That's the only thing that can do it. Why am I talking about this? Because this is the primary motivation behind force. Why do people get like that? So pushy, so demanding, because they're afraid. They're afraid if I don't do this, I'm not going to get it. They're afraid you're going to lose them. They're afraid I'm not going to have what I need. They're afraid, afraid life is passing me by. They're afraid, they're afraid. Midlife crisis is a panic attack. That's all it is. I'm missing out. I'm missing out. I'm missing out. Fear. And how can you tell that you're yielding to fear instead of love? 
Fear has torment. That's how you tell. You're being tormented. You're not sleeping. You're vexed. You're worrying. You're talking to everybody about it. You're tormented. It's tormenting you. It's vexing you. It's bothering you. This is proof that you're not walking in love, but you're yielding to fear. You, me, whoever. Is this clear? Is there an answer? Is there a help? Can he change things? He can change things so fast, faster than you can blink your eyes. He can change things. The moment I sense that torment It's bothering me so bad. What they're saying. What they're doing. What they're not doing. What I want them to do. What's going on? First of all, you're believing. Not first of all, but you're believing a lie. That they're yours to control. They don't belong to you. You don't own them. You have no right to try to control them. What if they don't do the right thing? Well, then they won't. What if he don't love me like he's supposed to? Well, then he won't. What if she won't follow me and respect me? Well, then she won't. But don't cross the line of trying to make them. Don't yield to that vexation and that torment. Realize when you start feeling that torment, you start feeling that, that anguish, that frustration, that vexation, I've got to stop right now. I've got to quit it. I've got to cast the care. Cast is a strong word. Cast. Cast. If I want the fear cast out of me, I got to resist the stuff and cast the care over on him. But what if they won't ever act right? Well, then they won't ever act right. You should have known I can't control them. Never could. Might have imagined I could, but it was a fantasy. (laughs) I can't control them. Ladies, stop treating your husband. Like your child. He's not. Men, don't treat your wife like like she's your daughter or your child. Don't tell each other how you have to dress and how you have to act and what you have to do. That's being ungodly. It's being faithless. What if they act like a child? Well, then they will. Well, make me look bad. Well, then you'll have to deal with your pride. <laughs> and you'll grow in humility and it'll be all good in the end. When you sense that irritation, that frustration, that vexation, that torment, what are we experiencing now? We are experiencing a taste of hell. How much hell do you want in your house? We don't want days of hell on the earth. We want days of heaven on the earth. Whose fault is it? What we yield to. It's entirely our choice what we do. And oh friend, it is such a release. It is such a freedom. When you stop trying to be the Holy Ghost police. When you stop trying to straighten everybody out, especially your spouse. You stop trying to correct everybody. 
your stomach problems will leave. The pressure will come off of you. You'll actually get in faith. And we which have believed do enter into rest. You'll sleep like a baby, even though everything's not perfect. <laughs> you get up in the morning and praise God. People will come and say, do you know what they said and did? You'll say, I don't want to know. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Why? I've prayed. I've cast it over on the Lord. I can't control them. Now my job, I do love them. I love God. I love them. I'm in faith. And as that faith grows in you, as that faith develops in you, what happens when it's fully manifested and developed? It will push every shred of fear out of you. You won't be afraid about what might happen or not happen or what they might do or not do for you. You will have no fears. And when you got no fears, you got full joy and full peace. You're experiencing a day of heaven on the earth. Can you say amen? amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise be to God. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Phyllis, would you come and stand with me, please? Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's close our eyes and focus on the Lord. Lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Let me lead you in a prayer. Father, forgive us. For trying to make anyone do anything. They don't belong to us. We don't own them. We can't control them. They belong to you. Forgive us for acting like we could do things we can't do. Forgive us for yielding to the enemy to strife. Forgive us for trying to force, for nagging, pushing, insisting, demanding, bringing things up too many times. Trying to manipulate, trying to force, trying to control. It's devilish. And I despise it. And I refuse to be that way. I repent. And I yield myself. We yield ourselves to your Holy Spirit. We cast the care of these things over on you. And by faith, faith, we rest in you. We rest in you. you. I rest. rest. I trust. I trust. I rest rest in you. you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, 
visit our website at morelife.org.